Hey, welcome to another live edition of the 40 Athletes Podcast. Jimmy, man, I'm feeling in the zone today, baby. What about yourself? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if I did, but as you told me what we're having on today, I'm freaking excited because I think we're going to help me get my peak states going. I want to be in the zone, flying in the zone and be more efficient today. You told me you got like a doctor or a scientist or a coach or a high-level individual on the day. He's going to help us get in the flow. And I don't know if you've ever felt like, you know, maybe like five hours, it felt like five minutes, or you like maybe you're playing basketball and you just felt like everything was going your way. I know one time I did, you know, pick up basketball, I hit five game winners in a row, baby. So I was in the did I'm you dream that last night, or is that a true statement? That, that you is sound a true like statement. my kindergartner son that you, <laughs> you know he, he actually did somebody lies to you, man. I'm just no, making sure. Let's be honest with that. But I'm just saying, you know, so, uh, you know, our, our founder, he's the founder of Alpha Flow Athletics. Uh, he's a former assistant basketball coach at Colorado State and Northern Colorado, uh, certified brain health and uh, heart math um, educator, trainer as well. Um, degrees in social uh was it physiological kinesiology? Whew, that's a mouthful, by the way. You can't even say. Can't even say people it. on this show that have these degrees. And I can't even like, say. And I'm like, how are we talking to these individuals? And oh, that's when God. I know we're talking to the right people because they're smarter than us, Jimmy. Hey, it's like dumb and dumb, or we bring somebody on smarter. Here we go. Let's go. That's right. And he's got a new book coming out too, called Chasing Oz. So, uh, without further ado, I want to welcome Jeff Meyer to the show. Jeff, how's it going today? Welcome, fellas. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing great, but you said Chase and Oz. You sure you're not from Kansas? You're talking about the Wizard of Oz? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, you never know. The wiz- You know, that's kind of what we're all chasing, right? We're chasing that uh, that beautiful state of flow. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and let's, let's just go ahead and dive into that. I mean, whenever we're talking about peak states, flow, in the zone, what does that mean? And and what are the steps to get there? Because it doesn't just happen like right away, right? There's a process to get into that kind of uh, state of mind. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what my whole business is. Uh, it's kind of morphed. You know, I was into sports psychology, things like that. And and then I started studying this flow state. And I, Jason, just like you, I remember uh, I actually had a game where I scored 58 points in a basketball game. And uh, for me, that was uh, crazy. I could shoot three point line, no three point line. Yeah, so that's right. Back in the old, (laughs) the old days, where now they weren't actually punching the ball back out of the peach basket, but it was it was back there a while. So I, I started studying this, and I thought when I I took a sports psychology class in college, and I had a professor. When I walked out of that class, I just was like. This is what I want to do. And I thought to myself, a five foot eight guy, how can I get better and and be able to compete against a a point guard that's six four? Right? Because when he walks in the room and when I walk in the room, they're always going to look at him, you know, no matter what. And so I thought, how can I how and so I started studying kind of sports psychology and then it just kind of morphed into this uh, understanding this flow state. And you know, it's really defined as like an optimal state of performance, right? Optimal state of, of consciousness. And as, as I'm going, learning about this stuff, I'm just thinking to myself, man, there's not very many athletes and coaches that know about this. They have felt it. They have dropped into it. You know, we've heard it, we've heard it called flow, the zone. Um, I, I, one, 
I don't know where I heard it, but I heard uh, liquid coordination where it just like one thing goes into the next, into the next, into the next. And after about 30 years worth of studies now in science, um, you can train it and you you're so that you're more apt to be able to get into it. I, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day when I was writing and I'll tell you what, if my English teachers knew I was trying to write a book, they would be laughing. Um, but I know one thing is when I can get myself and I, 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 I kind of train my whole day around flow. And when I feel it, the other day I wrote 750 words in about probably an hour and a half. Um, three days before that, I wrote maybe a paragraph and was about ready to put my fist through the computer. You know, that kind of frustration. That's actually one of the triggers of flow as well. But as you guys know, you know, and I, I, I put in my book, I want to just show you some, I'm going to tell you a couple things, and this is just crazy. So there's, there's been enormous studies done. Uh, one's been done by the McKenzie Group. They said that 500% increase in productivity if you're in flow state. So that means that you can actually go to work one day and work, get just as much done as the other people in five days. Wow. 500% productivity. And this was a huge study over many years with many people. Um, there's heightened creativity. You have this, uh, see, and I think this is one of the things that we as coaches, parents, athletes don't really train. How do we train an athlete to be creative? We almost take it away from them. Matter of fact, coaches are so, and I don't want to throw all the coaches under the bus, but I was one too, but you know, we, kind of have egos and we kind of want to run the show all the time. And that is, that's one of the worst things that you can do for flow is do that. So being able to be more creative and once you get into this flow state, they're saying that it actually can last up to three days. So, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to figure out different things in your life or, you know, a game plan, whatever, if you were to get into flow, maybe some of these things would open up. And then you have that aha moment. It's like, I need to do this, right? Um, another thing that they're – so this is one particularly, I think, important for athletes. They had a study, 490% faster skill acquisition. Now, if I could take an athlete and develop their skills 490% faster – <laughs> you you tell me i've i've actually I've, I've mentioned it to my wife i've actually thought about starting to apply for more coaching jobs just so i can you know just so i can institute some of this stuff because coaches just aren't doing it so go I, you know. hey jeff let's go into this then okay. okay like flow i mean you see the value you see how it increases performances take it takes it to another level and as you said, coaches would love to have more kids in flow. But how do athletes get themselves in a flow to be okay. able to go out and perform at a high level? What are things they can do? See, and that's and we'll, I was, we'll go over these flow triggers. There's 22 of them. I'll just kind of we won't do huge deep dives because obviously that could be a whole day, you know, type of show. That's but a I'll seminar. Just kind of, yeah, that's exactly right. 
That's a trilogy. You know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Lord of the Rings or something, you know. But as as and and that's the thing that I get so excited about with athletes. It's like this can be trained. You know, we can start training this. If I was coaching right now, I would develop my whole practice plan around how can I get my kids into flow? How can I do that? And uh, we'll go over these triggers. One thing, I just read a huge study on John Wooden. I, now, I, I'm kind of partial to basketball, but I work with all athletes. But John Wooden, we all know, you know, how phenomenal he was. Well, they had there's two psychologists that followed him around for one year, every practice, and notated everything he did. It's just crazy, right? They, they took the time to be able to do that. And they found out, and, and it's like, I wonder if he knew this stuff before the scientists did, or if it was just something that he intuitively knew. But they said in his practices, he didn't speak more than 20 seconds at a time. And that's another trigger of flow, is this instant feedback. You know, I, I teach the athletes that I work with, you got to learn to take the emotion out of what the coach is saying and just take what he's trying to teach you. Because the emotion, that emotional intelligence, a lot of athletes are not prepared for that emotional abuse sometimes that we get or we give as coaches. Mm -hmm. Not meaning to do it, I think, a lot of times, but you get so involved, you know. Um, okay, so there's different triggers, and this is kind of a – this is a peak performance um, toolbox, we could say, or, you know, whatever. Now, to start, I want to – there's a couple things I think that's just really important is the neurochemicals that are released in flow. And this is a, a something that I think that every athlete's searching for, and sometimes we go outside of – and get these chemicals, which you guys know what I mean. So, but I'm, I'm trying to, if, if we could get into flow more, we, these chemicals are released in our brain. So I'm going to just go through and the, I just wrote some of this, uh, dopamine, dopamine is a neurotransmitter associated with re reward and motivation. So, you know, if you have a coach that's always negative, 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 they're not getting dopamine hits. And then it's a struggle for them to practice. We all want the dopamine. I mean, everybody, you'll stand in line for it, right? That's kind of motivation. So nor, norepinephrine, it helps us stay focused on our abilities, actually raises blood pressure as well. I mean, blood sugar levels gives us more energy, okay? Anandamine is actually some of the stuff that uh, in Colorado – with our marijuana laws, you know, a lot of kids, that's where they search for it. It's legal, you know, and I'm trying to teach kids. It's like, you, you have it. You don't need to go search for it. And this is a much better way to get it, you know, plus it's free. doesn't cost anything, you know, just you to, to be able to do that. So it actually lowers your anxiety levels, you know, and so in performance, that's huge. We, uh, just a little example, I had a kid that uh, was a sophomore in high school and another kid that was a senior, and they, they both were very good basketball players, and one kid could dunk all the time and the other kid just wanted to dunk. But the senior would never, ever try to do it in a game. And 
the sophomore every time he had a chance in a game. I mean, I, there were a couple times where he'd get jammed by the rim and he was laying on his back, you know, but he, and so he got into some of these flow states where it kind of eased that and he goes, I don't care anymore. I want to do this, you know, that's another flow trigger is a clear goal. Okay. And we'll go through that. But so the next one is endorphins. And this, when I started studying this, I was like, this just blows me away. Endorphins helped us to free ourselves from muscle pain. This is especially useful for top athletes who want to push themselves to the limits, right? We've heard about the wall and all that different things, but endorphins are extremely powerful. And they've had studies that say a hundred times stronger than medical morphine. That just, uh, you know, I look at that and I just think to myself, it's, it's in our body and we can release it. And you look at the gifted athletes, when they're in flow, they don't feel the pain, which is just crazy. Um, and then serotonin, last kind of one, it's, it's the last ingredients. It's, it's the last of the kind of cocktail that happens when you're in flow. And basically, it's kind of the afterglow. It helps us kind of come down. Because, you know, this is a peak state. If you were to, if you, you couldn't live in this 24-7. So, but there's times that you can really get after it. And you, you guys have all felt it. You understand. Jason, when you hit those, when you hit those game-winning shots, um, you weren't really thinking, right? I mean... Do, do you do you remember saying, "Oh gosh, I got to hit this shot"? No, I just you just kind of did it. You know, it's like I, you you kind of had the natural flow of it. It didn't take much of a. It was like like you said, like everything felt effortless almost. You know. Yeah, yeah. that that liquid that yeah you know, I, I don't know you know I look at, and and you talk to different um, you talk to different genres of of where flow hat you know like jazz. You, you talk to jazz musicians and they're, they're like, man, you know, you can really get into a phase where it's just like you actually become the trumpet or, you know, however you want to. And so one of the things with high school students and college students, it's like, why can't we teach them this in class? Fellas, I did not like high school. The only reason girls and well basketball and girls that that was that kept me coming back but i classes now you know when i when i moved on to college it was a different story but in high school i just sat back and it was rough it was really rough for me and so i'm thinking to myself if somebody would have taught me how to get in flow to listen to my history teacher i would learn faster and it would be a more enjoyable experience so, how, Jeff, how do you go this? So, like you talked about, a lot of coaches don't know it, and they're not teaching it, and and in school they're not getting it in a lot, you know, different places, and and they get in a flow and a peak. So, how does like again, how does an athlete, if if you had Jason, he's an athlete, and he didn't have a coach or a teacher or someone around to teach him how to get in flow or teach him how to play in peak states, what would be things you would suggest Jason to do? That when he gets out on the court, he's not thinking; he's just playing, and he's playing the best visibilities and just in that flow flow state. Okay, so we'll go over the triggers right now. There's internal triggers, external triggers, and there's also group triggers. 
Okay. So the first one I'm, I'm working with a division one athlete right now. And last night I, I asked him, I said, what are your goals for practice tomorrow? I said, what are your coach's goal? He goes, I don't know. And I'm like, you're a division one athlete and you don't have a goal. So number one of the um, internal triggers is creating very clear goals. Okay. It frees up your mind to do other things. We, we have found out um, through all these different studies, there's, a, there's terminology that's called transient hypofrontality, which back in the olden day when I was going to college, we thought everybody was using all of their brain to get into these different states. Well, now it's kind of just the opposite. They're actually shutting down parts of your brain so that other parts are free to perform. And so our prefrontal cortex right here the one that's kind of the CEO, the boss, they find out when guys are in flow or girls are in flow, that kind of shuts down, which makes sense. It's like, you know, it's the internal, I can't do it voice, you know, that kind of distractions, all that. So number one is that. And then, so clear goals, I would tell him, we, we need to have a plan, you know, and if your coach isn't doing it for you, then you have to be your own coach. You got to do it on your own, right? And so the next one is now this is where it gets difficult if your coaches aren't doing this, but you got to have instant feedback. So I went through and I started looking at John Wooden, what he would say, right, when he was in practice. And it was very simple things that we would as coaches, you know, we like to go on. We like to motivate. We like to do all this stuff. And Coach Wooden was just like, move your fit, pivot foot to the left, follow through uh, one second longer. Uh, you know, you guys know the story how he taught people how to actually tie their shoes. Mm -hmm. That was yeah, the first, yeah, that was practice. the first day of practice. So, so just that kind of feedback, because it frees up your brain searching what just went wrong. If you had instant feedback, it's instantly there. So what, right. if, what if the coach doesn't give them instant feedback? Is there something you tell the athlete that they can do on their own to give them instant feedback? Just to be aware of it more. Now, that's where it gets really difficult because if the athlete's struggling in a certain skill and you're trying to teach it and you don't get that feedback, how does the athlete do it? So that's one of the things I think just to be aware. First of all, if it's not going right, ask yourself, you know, kind of what, what am I doing wrong? You know, how can I – or – and, and most coaches, I think, would do it if you just go up and say, hey, watch the, watch me do this. What's wrong? And, and they'll give you the feedback. You know, one of the things that I think is a real struggle, I'm working with a track athlete, and, you know, he's Division I. Uh, the kid has a 50-inch vertical jump. He's a long jumper. He's five wow. foot five foot seven. And I look at these certain situations, and it's like, they just have so many athletes. It's like, so you got to, you know, you got to kind of go and be bold and, and say, hey, help me with this thing just for a little bit. And I think most coaches will, will definitely do that. The other thing, uh, another trigger for to getting into flow state is the challenge skill balance. Okay. So right now for me to get in flow, if somebody were to say, go dunk the basketball, uh, it's going to be, unless I'm using a mini tramp, it's probably not going to be something that we're, you know, we're going to do. So that challenge and skill balance. Now they're saying, um, 
a 4% increase of, of whatever your best is, if you could just go 4%, if you kind of think of it that way, it's, it's just a little thing, right? But it's getting better. And just think what 4% looks like in 365 days, right? If we were to do that every day. See, and that's another, I just think athletes show up, they do what the coach says, and then they leave. That's a typical routine for an athlete. They try to get better, but an athlete has to put in more time of developing these skills and exactly what they want to accomplish. It's back to that clear goals again. And then being, you know, I, I worked with a, a, a gymnastics team. And one of the things that I had the coach um, institute was I see the girls there. It's crazy. They're there 35 hours a week. And they're middle school and high school elite gymnasts. Third, that's another. That's a full time job on top of school. What the burnout rate in that one is? Yeah, yeah. Exa exactly. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, if we could get them into flow, it'd be a more enjoyable process, right? And so we instituted a thing called. It was just called ten minutes of silence. I noticed. So I would go in and watch when they weren't. I, I was kind of in the in a different room where the parents were at. So I would watch and they pride themselves on how much time they spend in the gym, but I was watching them, you know, and a lot of it was not productive type time. I'm like, you could, you could shorten this and become better. And so we, we instituted this 10 minutes of silence every hour they had, they would turn off the radio and you couldn't hear a thing in the gym. You could only hear, you know, hands ripping or, you know, whatever, but to, for them to trigger, it's like, okay, this is, this is a time for me to work on this skill to really focus, to really focus. That actually is another trigger is being able to focus. When I first started my company, uh, it was about six years ago. I remember, uh, taking my athletes into an office, taking their iPhones and teaching them how to meditate, shutting the light off and the door behind me. And they were sitting there in the dark by themselves without their iPhone. And I thought, oh, this could just kill my business. You know, they, they could walk out of there thinking, I'm never going back to this guy. He just sits, sits, me, in a, yeah, sits me in a room by myself in the dark. As time went on, I started seeing the athletes going, hey, are we going to meditate today? Am I going to get a chance to meditate? I think they're craving it because they're so distracted. Study I just read the other day, the average college student touches or messes with their phone up to 2,000 times a day. Now, that's not actually looking at it. That could be touching it or moving it, moving it into pockets and stuff. And I'm just thinking, okay, the distractions that we have created in our society – is just the worst thing that an athlete can struggle with because getting into flow state has everything to do with a pinpoint focus. Remember burning leaves with a, with a magnifying glass when you were yeah. a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how I explain that focus. It's like, it's gotta be so drilled in that you're burning that leaf, you know, and we're teaching kids how to be distracted constantly. And so what's your distraction management as an athlete? And I tell you what, even pro athletes, I mean, them building their brand, 
Social media is a huge thing, but it's, I understand what they're trying to do. It's a huge thing, especially when they're done to be able to develop that relationship with their fans and things like that. But it, it's really hurting their, it could be hurting their performance because being able to focus is one of the other, you know, triggers. It's, it's such a, um, that it's funny. I, I read an article and I started studying a guy that was actually trying to help kids with iPhones and distractions. And he said three things that just blew me away. So a parent asked him, when, when should I give my kid an iPhone? And he goes, do you want the truth or do you want me to just sugarcoat it? And she goes, I want the truth. He goes, when you want to introduce them to pornography and depression, that's when you should give a kid an iPhone. And I thought, and this guy has studied this for about 12 years. And I was like, oh, because he goes, they're, they're comparing themselves constantly. We're a, and these these different social media outlets, they know what they're doing. They have neuroscientists mm -hmm. doing things. So he told me a story, and this just, you know, and I think this is great for everybody to know, but for an athlete, it's really important. He said, so like little Susie will, will put something on, uh, a picture on Instagram, whatever. And she'll say, well, if a picture, I should get this many likes. And so all of a sudden she starts looking at her phone and she's not getting the likes that she thinks she should be getting. Well, in the background of this, there's, there's, uh, the way they've developed it, they kind of hold things back so that little Susie will look at her phone more. And then eventually they'll give her that dopamine hit where you'll see people starting to come in. And then it's, it's rewiring our brain to look at our phone even more. That's I, mean, that's, that's, I, know, I know you have something to say, but I, I would, I tell any parent, anyone to watch social dilemma if they haven't seen it. I mean, it's a documentary and it does discuss exactly executives have been in these social media companies thought they were doing good. And what they were creating, they're seeing as doing harm to individuals, young people. But go ahead, Jason. Well, yeah, it's kind of I want to go more into why distractions happen and how they get us out of our ability to think and go deep. Because a lot of times these activities, email, social media, they're very shallow work activities. If I'm if we correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. So in order to get in that deep state, we gotta avoid distractions. So how would you recommend somebody truly besides, you know, the obvious of like, put your phone in the other room, but how would you suggest like we truly get into a deep work state by eliminating distractions? Yeah. And it's such a great, you know, I just love this discussion because it's, it's opening up things that I don't think a lot of athletes have thought about, you know? And so getting into this deep state. So Stephen Kotler, you know, one of the, one of the big guys that he studies flow state and he, uh, he says, now I won't use the quite the colorful language that he used, but he said, uh, he went into big corporations and he said, if you're not willing to have your employees, put a sign on their door that says, get the heck out of here. I'm flowing. And he used a much different language, but right. Being able. And so it's protecting that, that time. It could be up to 90 minutes, 
Um, some people say if you get into this creative state, it could be up to four hours. And it's like, are you kidding me? You look at the uh, uh, coach or they're, they're constantly being bugged. One of the things that I've been trying to do in my life, which has been really hard and I need to be better at uh, uh, telling other people what I'm doing. But when I'm right, I, I put my phone, I turn my, you know, everything goes off. Matter of fact, one of the best things that I've uh, writing wise, I actually came right into my office for, it was about 4.20 in the morning with my lights off with just my computer screen. And I was just, there was nothing, I had no other distraction. And I did early enough so that, you know, you're not getting the phone and you're not kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So getting into these, uh, first of all, understanding that you're being distracted. Most people are not, they, they, they call it, you know, I'm working. Well, it's just a bunch of busy type work, you know, Jason. And I think I, Jason, I saw on you that uh, an email said something like I, I check my emails a certain time each day. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to do is like focus on like only checking emails maybe before lunch as I'm coming, maybe possibly out of a, you know, deep work state or like at the very end of the day or cause that's what I've kind of learned is like, your morning time is like your sacred time. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, but like right as you wake up, it's kind of like your best time to stay in a flow state if, if I'm, if I'm right. No. And that's great. You know, and I think everybody has their own, uh, kind of Sarcania rhythm. You know, mm. there's, there's, there's geniuses that do work at three in the morning, <laughs> you know, they, they, it's, it's crazy, yeah. but that's where that, that's where that kind of flow. So I think it's individual, but I think you maybe can train it if you want to, you know, be a morning, I, as you guys, you know, as you know, in your lives with kids, you, you can't be up at three in the morning because you got to be, <laughs> no. you know, you know, that kind that kind of yeah. stuff. So that's not going to work. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so, so back to the athletes, if we're looking at flow states and distractions, okay. Internal distractions. I can't do this. I, you know, I suck. You get all that. We think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And the science behind it says 77% of those thoughts are negative and self-defeating. I look at an Olympic gymnast or I look at, uh, you know, uh, it's a struggle mentally. If you're not aware of your thoughts, that's one of the first places that I would have athletes start. But Jeff, don't, they, to, don't they even say like 70,000 70, thoughts? Is, isn't it like almost 88 or 85% of those thoughts, almost 90 are from yesterday? They're not even like new thoughts generating new ideas. Yep, you're building these neural pathways to live your life like you did yesterday. Now, how do you develop growth by doing that? Yeah, and they say up to 90% of what we did yesterday, we will do today. So if you look at your own life, I'm thinking, holy mac, I'm thinking, okay, when I drive to the gym, it's the exact same way every day. Matter of fact, the other day I was paying attention to what I was doing when I was going to the gym. I started paying attention because something just hit me. It's like, I don't even remember if that light was green. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think there's any dementia. I think it was just, I was so focused. And so I was just following the other cars, you know, there were cars in front of me and I'm like, so I started really focused. And now I'm trying to change up different, different ways that I go to the gym. I came home a different way yesterday and you can tell I work out a lot. Yeah. And so, but understanding those distractions, I think is just one of the things, you know, and coaches, um, 
you know, I'm trying here to help coaches and athletes. Coaches are notorious for – okay, so here's a great example. I was coaching a, a basketball team. We were we – were, it was our Crosstown rival, huge game. And we, I, I was a brand-new coach at, the, at that school, and we hadn't beaten them for like – I think it had been like 12 games, and we play them twice a year. So it's been a long time since we had beat them. I'm not sure that's – but right around there. So we were down – now my team, I taught uh, – and some coaches don't like this, but we full-court pressed all the time. I had really good athletes. I had very few basketball players. The really good athletes aren't going to spend the time to become a great basketball player, but they're good athletes. So we full-court pressed all the time. And matter of fact, that season I looked at our averages – uh, we forced 32 turnovers a game Damn. because of the, of the pressure, That's which was, though. and so we would get in their faces and it was relentless. And I played 10 guys ev almost every game. You can hide a, you kind of hide a guy if he's athletic and works hard and mm -hmm. will will play great defense, you know, and every once in a while he'll get an opportunity to shoot a layup. You know, that kind of stuff. But I think coaches don't want to give over that kind of power. But for me, it was probably one of the funnest years. Anyway, so we're playing these two games. We're playing in this game. We were down 14 points in the fourth quarter with six minutes left in the game. We won by seven points. I, I actually still have the article in the paper. It said that we scored 13 points in a minute and 30 seconds. Wow. 13 wow. points. And so I was looking at this. So I remember, and I remember this distinctly, I had four assistant coaches, and I started feeling it. You know, we would get a turnover, hit a three, get a turnover, you know, shoot a layup, get fouled. I felt that, and it's like, okay, and there is such a thing as called group flow. And it's like, wouldn't NBA teams love to have this or train this to be able to be – that their team is in flow, NFL teams, that the, all the linemen are, are flowing together, you know. And so I looked at this, and my coaches started giving instructions. And I just looked at them. I said, sit down and be quiet. Just let them work. And I did the same. And we just sat down. Everybody else, was, this was at the opposing team's gym. So the – it went stone cold quiet. I mean, we're down 14 and within a minute and 30 seconds, we're down one. And then we just, it was just an avalanche. And I look at that and I thought, gosh, that's probably one of the best examples that I have as a coach as a, a flow. And the best thing that I did was to sit down and be quiet. To so let, so, to so let you, them play. You say that Jeff, like as a coach and you mentioned before, what are things coaches can do that can help their players be in the flow during practice? And as you said, in games, sometimes we can overcoach. We can sometimes say too much at times or be negative in some ways. It takes kids and teams out of flow. So what are recommendations you give to coaches of how to get kids in flow in practice and games? So is definitely to start to train it. It's just not something that's going to happen. It's just like a skill. It's just like a left-handed layup, right? Your elbows got a string tied to your knee, right? We've, we've taught all those different. It's, it's that basic starting. First of all, have clear goals. 
You know, what, what is our goal for? I used to set goals for quarters. It's like this quarter, this is what we want to do, certain different things, so that the team knows this is what we're chasing. We're not just – so there's another word in the kind of flow vocabulary. It's called autotelic. So the godfather of flow, his name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. He kind of studied all this stuff, and he had a word that he called autotelic. And autotelic means that I'm here only because of the experience only because of what it feels like when I do it. Not that I'm going to win a medal, not that I'm going to win a game, not that I'm going to, you know, score 50. It's just because I love it so much. So if we could teach athletes and figure, you know, just think if NBA or NFL or, you know, any kind of major sport, if you could really find out if the athlete that you're going to pay millions of dollars to really loves the sport and everybody says oh i they're a pro athlete they love it well that's probably not true there's a lot of guys out there they want the money and i understand that but the great guys are the ones that will go out and do whatever is necessary to practice all the time because they love it this passion this passion brings flow it's another trigger type thing curiosity, passion, purpose, those three different things, if we kind of put them together, those are little triggers. If a kid has passion, he doesn't, you didn't have to, you don't have to tell him to bring his uniform to a game. And I've actually had to do that before. They're on the bus. Does everybody have their uniform? Oh crap. I, you know, and he's running off grabbing his uniform, you know, that's stuff you don't, if, if there's a passion. So that's a whole nother trigger. I just think, first of all, being a coach, putting in these different little things that would help them trigger that flow state, like a practice, like do what John Wooden does. Don't talk more than 20 seconds in the middle of a practice at a time. Go around to individual players. Have you guys ever seen the movie Forever Strong? I don't think I've seen that one. Mm. Okay, you both need to watch it because it's it's, it's a really it's about a it's about a rugby coach that's I mean his record was like Stu Morrill's, um, three hundred and I mean he won so many anyway one of the things that he did that I actually started instituting in my coaching when I was um, a lot younger is I would pull a player up from practice I would have the assistant coaches do all their work. I would sit him down just in the corner of the gym and we would chat. We would just talk. How's your girlfriend? You know, what's going on? How are grades? Just to develop that kind of relationship with a player. When a player will trust you, I really believe they'll run through a wall for you. But you can't get that by screaming and yelling all the time. You know, you can't get that. I never once had a coach sit me down and ask me how my day was going. And especially in the middle of practice, the most important time he would take, this coach would take his time to go. He had a lawn chair because it's a rugby field. He'd take it over away from people and just pull guys out and talk to them. And I thought, okay, that's another way to help us coach in this flow state. So I had a six foot ten high school basketball coach that had a voice that was just would scare you to death, right? I mean, and he would. I played point guard. He would yell at me, "Focus!" 
What do you think that did to me physiologically? Right about scared, here, right? Yeah, it was yeah. in my pants. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's like, and so I played my whole junior year. The whole goal was to get past half court and make a good first pass. That was my whole goal. And then I had my seat. He actually retired my senior year. And I've learned a lot from this coach. I remember in a preseason game, we were playing. He could tell I was a little tense. He called a timeout. He pulled me out of the huddle. The other coaches were talking to the team. He put his arm around me and he goes, Jeff, you're a phenomenal player. Just go play. Just play and have fun. And that season, I doubled everything that I did. I think and what, enough, though, back to what you're saying, though, we're, we're, we coach so much how we're coached. Exactly. Generation and yelled at and screamed out like you, like coaches when I grew up and I've done it when I first started coaching, you're so controlling. You want to mm -hmm. control everything. Right. And that's how you're taught. So that's how you do it. And as you mentioned, I see at times where when you're yelling and screaming, I've done this where you get on and you know, somebody makes a mistake. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to get nervous. They're going to tighten up. Well, they're probably not going to be better at it. And like you said, I mean, hey, Jeff, listen, hey, next time, think about this. I like what you did here, but think about this. And I know you can do it. Just take a deep breath. Get yourself right. You're a great player. You know, next next rep is going to be your best rep. Something encourage them to get them thinking more positive, right? Perfect. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying don't be demanding, you know, because a lot of people, oh, those are soft skills. But demanding. You know, Demeaning, demanding, hey, hey, but not demand. Demeaning, yeah, right? they respect demanding. I think most players are saying he's trying to get the very most out of me. And I, every coach has had that, you know, that one not shining moment where you just lost it. You know, and in my book, I I talk about a whole me getting kicked out of a game when I had hair. It was actually kind of a red. It, it was more like you, Jason. It was that beautiful auburn red type of, you know, very and flowy, so, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually had it a mullet at one time too. So, you you know, you look at it, and I, I just think that if we could teach, you know, flow is just the opposite of any kind of anger. I always taught my athletes: he who angers you conquers you. If you're if you're angry, you're not going to play like you should. You might have spurts of really great energy. But in the long run, you're going to be throwing your helmet at a player like I've seen in an NFL game, that emotional intelligence, how we deal with that, you know. And so these kind of triggers, if we were as a coach, if we were to start training these type of triggers, um, the important things that each individual athlete see. And that's the thing is every person um it's kind of, it's kind of, it's all different. And so we have to know the athlete, you know, and once you know the athlete, then you can say, okay, I can really push this person or I can't, or this person, you know, needs to be I, uh, a study that was just uh, came out that said for every negative comment you give a child, a player, whatever, to get them back to where they're feeling good, they actually have to have three more positive comments. Now, when I say po positive comments, I'm not saying stuff that's not true. Oh, you're awesome. You know, that kind of stuff. Something that you know about them that's great. Something that you've seen. You know, I used to walk around and tell my coach, assistant coaches, just, just tell them something that they did great. 
I'm, we, we would go into film sessions and I would um, be so frustrated at the end of it because I could watch the players walk out of the room feeling defeated. And so my last four years of coaching, I told the assistants, I said, when we do film, we're only going to show them what they did great. And the coach is like, how are we going to do that? How are they going to learn? How, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, and one coach actually really fought me on it. And I had, I actually said, if you can't see it this way, there's other coaches that I could get, you know, it, it came down to, and he was an old school guy, but we actually in film sessions, that's what we started doing. And it was crazy the way they felt when they went into practice instead of defeated, they went in now of course, we taught throughout practice, but it's like, why don't we show them all the great stuff they do instead of when we break down film? It's always the negative stuff. Well, I think, Jeff, that goes back to this where, like Jason, we talk a lot, is they don't remember so much what you're telling them. They remember how you made them feel, right? We, we try to go as coach like we know it all and we, we have the answers. We can show them what to do, but deep down, they want to feel good about themselves and what they're doing. And I think also to us and coaches, you mentioned, it's like, how can you reinforce again, the positives? Cause they all want to be encouraged. They want to feel good about themselves, but also do it in a way that you can hold them accountable, balance it out to make sure, Hey, these are things that you need to do. But I think it's that balancing act, but I do see myself trying to, I think I might've talked to you about this. You might've mentioned, I tried it this year. Because I think about, it, but in a timeout, I think you mentioned this. At a timeout, I, I had them sit. They were in a timeout. Sit down and go, "Hey, I want you to deep breaths. Just deep breath. Just breathe. I want you to breathe like you work on. Close your eyes. Think good thoughts. See good good things happening. I was timeout, and I'm gonna talk to you after this. And I did that, and I started doing that more. Because I think you mentioned that about just like breathing and having kids just kind of close their eyes and visualize during games and in timeouts and things like that. Yeah. And well, first of all, I hope it was, you know, beneficial. I hope the your players, but I just, I just remember thinking to myself, when I call a timeout, it's like, okay, how, how many other ways can I say certain things? You know, cause that's, that's basically what you're doing. You know, I look at NBA players. I look at the NFL when they're, you know, and they're, and they're not engaged there rarely do you see them close listening focusing what the coach is saying you know they're kind of wiping the sweat off you know they've just heard it so many times and it was, i'm thinking wouldn't it be more beneficial to so one of the te- things i teach athletes is about their heart rate variability and heart how important the heart is to your performance our heart has motor neurons in it which most people don't understand or don't know, but our heart is like the boss. Our heart actually communicates more to our brain than our brain does to our heart. Our heart has a magnetic field that can be measured 10 feet away. So I'm thinking, okay, if you look at this group flow, just think if we could sit down and get everybody in sync instead of doing this. Just sit down and have them. They did a they did a study on a a dog and his his little buddy. They hooked up all these electrodes. They wanted to see their heart rates, and so it was in a window. They couldn't he couldn't touch him or anything. The dog, you know, just was sitting there, and the kid was sitting there, and they saw each other, 
And they said within about 22 seconds, the dog and the heart rate of the kid matched. Oh, wow. That's what I mean. And I'm thinking to myself, why couldn't we get play? If I could have five players or a football team of players or whatever team you're looking at, if they could match that, that to me, that would be, I think that's what championships are won. The, the other teams in more flow than the, than the team that lost period. But, but, I, you know, think about that. If you had the coach's heart and the player's heart, they're all connected in sync together. Like you said, that connect not just the players, but the exactly. Coach. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, thanks for bringing that. Cause yeah. Cause the coach is the, you know, I, I write in my book a lot, the coach, you take on the personality of the coach. You take on the feelings of the coach. My six foot ten coach, he would like to go in and throw garbage cans at lockers. You know, I'm like, we're we're like, oh, he's, you know, it's like, so what do you think that did to us as play at halftime? No wonder we came out and lost games, right? And I understand about the motivation and frustration, but you know, one of the, one of the people that I I really enjoy, obviously, I'm a big Duke fan, but sorry about those Kansas, you know, and can't, but. I, I'm I'm Missouri, Missouri, yeah, that's Missouri. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay, Missouri. That's all right, Yeah, that's right. And this this was a tough year, but I look at it and I watch Coach K a lot, and I I watch him now. He gets animated, he gets motivated, but I most of the time he sits on the bench. John Wooden said uh, a quote from him. He said, "If I did my job, I shouldn't have to show up to a game." And I thought to myself, that is just crazy, right? Coaches, you know, and I look at a lot of coaches with, with, uh, now I, I understood where my lot in life was. So I, my ego wasn't probably too big, but I look at a lot of division one coaches, man, they're the show they're up and down, walking the sidelines, you know, it's like, man, who's, who's the show here? Who do you want? You know, it's like, sit down and let them play. I think no, also yeah. two coaches, Jeff, and, and I know Je Jason wants to tap in on something, but a lot of coaches, I feel like that we lose perspective and like, what would we be thinking if we're 18, 19 years old, if we're 16, 17, how would we want to be coached? I've had to do it myself sometimes, like coach a 12, 13 year old, like, what would I want my coach to be? How would I want them to coach me? And I'm like, that's not the way I'm going about it. Isn't that way? Cause we, we lose sight of 12 and 13 year olds and we're like these 40, 50 year old adults, you know, we have a different mindset and we want our egos are involved. We want to succeed and win and show we know what we're doing and we're losing sight of what the kids really want, what they need. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I look at as um, I, I probably about, say 11 years into me coaching, I finally, I finally uh, had this moment in my life where it's like, look, you're not six foot 10 <laughs> and your voice is not a manly type, deep baritone. When I speak, people listen type of voice. Right. And I was trying to be like that coach now, not to that level, but I was trying to. And I remember looking in the mirror after a game I was in, I was in the coach's office and I kind of looked in the mirror and it's like that saying um, to thine own self be true. 
I looked in the mirror and saw that in myself, and I'm like, I'm not being true to myself. That's not who I am. That's not the kind of person that it's not the kind of coach I want to be. I'm more I I don't know if I told you, but I had the opportunity to meet John Wooden, and it was just real quick. I don't know if I told you the story, but it's really cool. So I was at a UCLA basketball camp, coaching a UCLA basketball camp. It had we were during lunchtime, we were having a coaches conference. So all the coaches were up on the bleachers, and Jim Herrick was the head coach at the time. Um, just, just won a national championship. And so, you know, we were, we were pretty excited. Well, I'm sitting kind of on the end of the bleachers and all of a sudden a, a door opens and coach Wooden walks in and sits down right next to me. I have every one of his books. I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm like shaking. I'm like, holy, this is like my, you know, this is the, this is awesome. And so after we got done, I said, hey, coach, is there any way I could get a picture with you? Well, this was back in the day. There was no phones. I had a, to get a camera. So I remember running up and he goes, I said, I, my camera's up in the, in the dorms. Can I just run and grab it and come back? And he goes, I'll be here. Don't, don't worry about it. So I'm flying. I get up there. I get my camera. I'm running back down. The elevators, both elevators were closed. I was on the 17th floor. So I'm flying. I'm flying back down. I look at my camera and there's no film in it. And I'm like, freak, you got to be kidding me. So I stop at a place, grab some film. I run in and Polly Pavilion, all the lights were off. I kind of open up and, you know, as your eyes kind of adjust, I, I look at the far corner by the exit sign and there's Coach Wooden sitting on a metal chair waiting for me. And I'm like, this is just so cool. So I'm getting ready to take a picture. And then I'm thinking, we didn't have selfies. We didn't know what that was. And I'm like, I want to be in it or my friend, nobody's going to believe me. So I ran outside. I grabbed a kid on the sidewalk. Said, would you take a picture? So I actually, check this out. See that right there? It says yeah. Co Coach's Packet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's me and Coach Wooden. Hey, 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 Jeff and Jason, I will real quick on this. You're talking about like John Wooden, like his integrity and who he is. A guy that I coached under was at a Final Four, and that's when he used to go to the Final Fours because his wife was alive, and he used to go to the Final Fours. And this coach saw him at the convention center, was talking to him, and he had his pyramid of success, and he had him, but he ran out. And he was like, oh, I'd love, to, I'd love to get one. Could I get one? Would you sign sign it? Whatever. And he goes, and this is, he goes, where are you staying at? John wouldn't ask this coach, where are you staying at? And he's like, oh, I'm staying at like the, the Quinta Hotel, whatever, off of Bang, 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 room like 204. And this is like, so they have, you know, back in the day, you got four or five coaches in a room together, all bound in together, you know, sleeping, you know, getting a room. And all of a sudden there's knock on the door. And it's like, things like, eight in the morning, seven thirty AM or eight in the morning. It's like early. Right. And they're like, Oh man, who, uh, who's knocking at the door? He gets up and he's got his, like, his kibbies on. He gets <laughs> up, opens up the door and it's John Wooden in a suit. And John Wooden has got the pyramid of success signed and said, coach turn, here you go. I know you're asking for it. I want to make sure you got it. I mean, yeah, that he was going to do it and he went over and that coach he didn't know coach or whatever but like when you tell these stories about a guy waiting around for you to get your film and to come back and everybody's gone and he's still there for you to take a picture 
Yeah, um, you know, I, I I look at the more games you win, the more important you become. And Coach Wooden was kind of just the opposite. You know, yeah. most most coaches, if they were to follow through, they'd probably have somebody do it for them, right? Yeah. Sign it, deliver it, you know. But hand delivered by Coach I'll, I'll melt it to you, right? Hey, send yeah. your stuff. I get back. I'll melt it to you in a couple of weeks. But like, got came across like gave it can to I, him. Can I use that story sometime? Oh yeah, that, that, that's an awesome story. You know, and on, on my little. You know, I, I framed it and everything. So I, I, I had him take like 30 pictures. He used up the whole film of one still shot of us because it's like I got to make because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. He wrote on my little packet. Thanks. John Wooden. Just thanks, you know, and and I was like, why? Why did you tell me? I, I said, I want to thank you. Why did you tell me? Thanks. And he goes, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And I was like, we talked for 45 minutes right by that chair under the exit sign. Wow. You know, and I asked him all these X's and O's and stuff. And he just, he said, what's really important is the character of your players. That's what's really important, you know, and to develop that. And they'll be, you develop that great character and they'll be great players. You know, and I looked at that and I just thought, man, he's my, he's kind of, he, since that one moment when I looked in the mirror to thine own self be true, he became what I wanted to be more like as a coach. Obviously, the success, you know, that's 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 something that I think every coach is, is searching for, you know. But as we back to these different flow kind of states, the more you train these type of triggers, clear goals, your passion, all that stuff, you'll find yourself maybe dropping into these states. There's different phases of the flow state. And so the first one is a struggle. It's like you have to struggle. And the neural part of our brain, we have this stuff called myelin. And, you know, some kids have maybe studied it in a biology class or something. But myelin in our brain is wrapped around neurons. And the more myelin we build, the quicker the signal fires. The quicker the signal fires, the quicker you have reactions. Okay. And so in Daniel Coyle's book, it's called Talent Code, which is a phenomenal book. So if you, if you, you'll learn that that struggle, that 4%, if we could get to an athlete to where he's really, really struggling and then he just gets to it and doesn't get it, they're finding out that's where that myelin starts wrapping and it wraps more. And it wraps more. If you get to that point where you're struggling, I can remember trying, I was, I was dominant right-handed. I'm like, I want to get better at my left hand. And I remember those first, you know, say month or so feeling like I'm like, I'm not used to feeling uncoordinated, but man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling uncoordinated. And so I started kind of pushing myself. And now that I look back on the, this new science is, okay, if we could push our players in a positive way, if we could teach them to be uncomfortable, right? It's a great thing. You know, every athlete I do, I'm working with a, a really great uh, runner. She's from Chicago and she's, she'll, she'll be a senior in every school is after her. And I said, what have you done uncomfortable in the last week? And she was like, well, I went out and run. I'm like, that's that you do that every day. That's not, you know, so I challenged her and this was uh this was right after snow in Chicago it was four degrees. And I said, I'll wake up with you. You 
have to go for a two-mile run at four in the morning and four degrees weather. And that's and she's like, what? I'm like, you got to challenge yourself. You've got to, right? And you start building when that challenge happens. You start building that myelin around those. And that feeds the whole thing of you being greater, right? You, you look at kids, it's like, how can they jump so high? Like that one kid. How can he jump so high? Well, he gets a really, it's like uh, a neuron firing in me that's going like uh, 43 miles an hour. And his neurons are firing, say, at 250 miles an hour. That's the difference. And so how do we develop those type of skills? How do we put them into practices so that kids will really build upon that? You know, and being able to trigger that flow, that struggle phase is the first part of it. Then it's release, right? So they say uh, Einstein had one of his release phases was he would uh, float out in a, a lake in a boat and just look up at the stars. And that would open his mind because he was struggling so much at his desk, he would do that. And they said he really struggled. Uh, he wasn't very good with the boat and he got stranded many times. And, you know, he said he's almost willing to give his life to get that release again. And then that's the next phase is flow. That's when you come in, that liquid coordination, everything just is great. I remember as a player, a little player, my coach always tell me, it's tough for you to bring it in the paint because you're going to be eating it a lot. And I found that out a lot with a lot bigger guys. But I remember I was in the paint just getting ready for a jump shot and saw this big guy, you know, he's probably six foot ten guy just coming down on me. And I'm like, oh, this is now this is not what I was thinking, but it's not going to work out great for me. Well, I remember taking the ball in the air and coming around my back and hitting a wide open guy on because he left to pick me up, hitting a wide open guy. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, how did that happen? Right? That's that kind of flow that you get. I didn't think about it, it just happened. You know, so why can't we teach kids to maybe learn these triggers and get more into it? It's not only going to help in, uh, they say a big study that Mihai Chick sent me, he said the happiest people are the ones that are in flow the most in their lives. And you look, I just read a study the other day that said um, one out of four during COVID, one out of four Division I athletes has thought about suicide. One out of four. Now, if they're not feeling the flow, an athlete is so used to their routine and then we lock them into their room. That's a struggle. But how could we teach them how to be in flow more while they're in their apartment to do certain things? Okay. So back to, so you have that release phase and then you, you kind of come back and the last phase is just recovery. You have to, you know, you're, you're getting this big chemical dump of really great things. You have to be able to recover from it. And sleep is a huge one. A lot of athletes struggle with that, with, with sleeping. Then the other thing is it's an active recovery. It's not, you know, it's not sitting in front watching, you know, whatever Game of Thrones and eating pizza. That's not the recovery that there, it's an active recovery, like going for a walk, maybe doing yoga, some sort of, you know, you know kind of meditation, 
you know, maybe a little jog, but it's some sort of little recovery. And if you can get into those different phases, if we could teach athletes to do that, you know, a lot of the athletes that I'm working with, they're looking for 1% to be better. They're so elite that it's like, if I could be better 1%, but nobody has ever taught them these different phases or these different triggers on how to get into flow state. If you're looking at, I have uh, four kids, three daughters and one son, my two daughters, between the two of them, we have seven grandkids and they have six. So we have one outside, but they're busy. One has a full-time job. One's a full-time mom with four kids. The other one has a full-time job with two kids and she's a stay at home mom while she's working at home with the kids. And I'm thinking to myself, if I could teach them how to get into flow, their productivity would be better. The feelings of frustration would dissipate. Frustration is a huge thing for an athlete. That's a, something that I think is so important. And what do coaches we're always pushing buttons of frustration, of restriction. You know, Jim, it's like kind of like what you said. You know, I when you get after them, you get after them. They tighten up everything. All, all that flow experience, if they were in it, is just gone. Coaches are notoriously learning how to kick players out of that. So if you could, if you could teach these things and then learn how a player actually um, operates when they're in flow that's the best time to just sit back and enjoy the game, you know, but most coaches, they don't want to give up that, you know, that kind no, it's of, hard, it's hard. It is hard. I mean, it's when it's a program to be controlling, letting it go, releasing, let it go. I mean, it's uh, it's a process, you know, and it's exactly what you said with the hearts. Just think as a coach, if we, we had that, kind of relationship with our see I was I was really lucky because I was able to coach my son now obviously there's a different connection and I think the thing that was really nice is he was probably the hardest worker on the team but he was a talented he, he could play too so that I remember benching him one time and having parents come up to me after the game it's like why'd you bench Christian it, that's not typical of a coach son relationship with a, another parent but that heart kind of, you know, where you, if, if athletes could learn to play with more feeling, they say it's a soft skill, but when you're in a feeling of gratitude or joy, um, their body just performs better. They are just a better athlete. They're stronger, faster, quicker, you know, all that stuff that we want. If we could, if we could, learn to teach that as coaches, that would be a great thing as well. Yeah. You know, well, uh, and Jeff, you know, thank you for, uh, for coming on today, man. And uh, we always like to, to end the show and uh, with four questions with 40 athletes. So these are four like rapid fire, you know, less than a minute kind of uh, questions that we ask every guest uh, and, and so many great nuggets of knowledge you brought to us today. So uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on today. Um, but our first question is this, if you had, what was the best lesson, life lesson that sports has taught you uh, to this day? Uh, for me, playing and for me, coaching is to be myself. To be not, 
I always tried to model other, you know, now that's important, I think, but just, just to be myself, find out what my strengths are and then build upon those strengths. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's the key, right? If you can be yourself, then you don't have to worry about trying to be somebody else. So, yeah. 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 And number two, if you could spend time with anybody passed away or alive in sports, who would it be? And real quick, why would you pick that person? Oh man, I've studied so many, you know, different different athletes. One of them was just John Wooden. I'd love, you know, that was a, a, an opportunity that, but that has passed away. You know, maybe Muhammad Ali. I would love to sit down with him. Yeah, you know, you know and, and and talk to him. A lot of people say that Jimmy. He's he's a recurring. Well, the one that yeah. went back to you said, you know, be yourself. You know, be you, Jeff. Remind me because I remember when I coached, I used to play for. I used to have that quote like, "Be what you is, not what you ain't." Because if you ain't what you is, you is what you ain't. But again, go back to being who you are, right? The I truth. love that. Yeah. So I like yeah, that. You're, will you text me that? I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'll, 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 I'll memorize, I'll memorize it. Like, Maybe get that out. Um, yeah, you know, coaching, you always have players that are trying to not be themselves. I mean, look, yeah. I have a. I have my wife got me a huge picture. If you've seen that uh, picture of Dennis Rodman, where he's laid across um, horizontal, saving a basketball, mm-hmm. and it's like, De- you know, Dennis is a, a weird cat, but if you got him on the court, he would give you, and he knew exactly who he was, you know, and yeah. he's he had what he had. Yeah, I can't remember how many games where he scored zero points and had 20 rebounds. Yeah, unbelievable how unselfish that was. Now, the third question is, what's the best advice you received from a coach you've worked under, played for, been around? What's the best advice? So, you know, to, obviously Coach Wooden, you know, is is building character in players, you know, learning to build those, those kind that kind of character. And then, you know, I think was a really changing moment in my life is when, you know, my, my coach, um, in high school, when he's, when he put his arm around me and said, you're a great player. I trust you. I believe in you just go play that. I can't tell you what a, what a flood. It's like they open the floodgates. It's like, now I can play. Now I can, you know, I have the opportunity. I was just listening with uh, with, with Steve Jobs, and they built in this this process to fail. We as coaches don't do that. It's like every time they fail, they're getting yelled at. Or yanked out, right? Yeah, and it's like, how are you yeah. going to develop a player by yanking him out all the time? Now, if it happens on and on, you know, pull him out, talk to him about it, have him think about it a little bit more, but don't do it in front of everybody. Do it in a different way. But yeah, so those are the two things. I just think when somebody says, I believe in you, <laughs> man, that's a, that's a, that's a, that kind of passion develops. And that's also right. One of our triggers for flow is when well, kids know, feel that passion. When a wife looks at us and says, I believe in you. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my beautiful wife, how I started this company, I, a gymnast uh, parent called me up and said, would you work with my gymnast? She's very elite. I started working with her. Well, the gym that she was going to, the owner said, Kaya, what have you been doing? Um, been working with this guy. He goes, I want to meet him. Within two months, I was working with 60 kids. The day that I came home, I had gotten 11 more 
athletes. My wife said, quit your full-time job and figure out a way to do this, to make money. There's not a lot of women out there that would say, do quit this yeah. and start brand new. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. I mean, it was a struggle. So last anyway. one, the last question for you is this going back to John Wooden and the character. If you could just have one character trait or life skill in an individual that you had is going to be like a plane for you or working for you, what would that character trait or life skill be? You could choose one. Man. Just one. Just I one. Make, I could rattle off. <laughs> I know you can. Got one. Uh I, I, I think it's back to the whole, I, I just think be true to yourself. You know, be, if you're, if you're looking at, if somebody's working for me or an athlete or just learn what your greatness is and then multiply upon that. And that goes back probably Jeff too, is having a high self image of who you are. Right. Yeah. Self -image, yeah right. 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 Yeah. Perfect. Simone Biles, she was having a really struggling and uh, three or four months, and a reporter said, how are you going to, you know, you're, you're really having a tough time. What are you? She goes, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I believe in myself, so this doesn't matter. That's awesome. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So, Well, uh, Jeff, again, thank you for coming on the show today. Um, real quick, how can people find you? Learn more about what you're doing. What's your uh, where they can on website, social media handles. Um, where can they contact you? So uh, right now, I'm actually building a whole platform. Uh, they can go on my Instagram page is just where it seemed to take off. So it's just Alpha Flow Athletics. If they're looking at working with me, there's a little link and there's an application that they fill out. Um, I'm I'm really working with people that uh, I have a lot of parents calling me up, wanting me to work with their kids. And it's just that becomes a struggle. I want to have a motivated kid athlete that really wants to to take their game to another level. So just Alpha Flow Athletics. I'll have a new website here soon, which will have a back end with everything else that I'm doing. But fantastic. Yeah. Alpha Flow Athletics. Well, Jeff, thank you again. Um, and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Uh, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Hey, I love what you guys are doing. Okay. And I'm spreading the word just so that you know. Well, thank you. Well, I, I, I definitely appreciate it. Perfect when you said, John Wooden said, you have a team full of character, right? Character traits, strong character traits. You got a chance to succeed. Now, I've, by the way, as we let you go, that was one thing that Northwest Missouri State, they've won three national championships. I think it's now in four years or five years, whatever it is, but Ben McCollum, who's a head coach there, that's what he's big on is really recruiting kids that are high character. Which so, just, ha you know, they, they, they know how to work. They know, you know, it's just a whole different thing. And, one, and just in closing, I think one of the things, if we could teach kids how to be in flow, their life would be better. Their performance would be better. Everything would be better. The depression rates, I think, would go way down if we could teach kids how to release those chemicals in their bodies so that they feel better. I truly believe it. You know, yeah, you're on to keep keep what you keep up what you're doing because you're impacting lives in a positive way, and it'll keep having that trickle effect. Thank you. So are you guys? I appreciate yeah. you. We'll talk soon, Jeff. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Okay.
Hey, Jace, is it trickle effect or a ripple effect? I say trickle sometimes. Can I, I think either one works, quite okay. honestly. Sounds you good. Know, but, uh, man, when he said that one in four Division I athletes had suicidal ideations, you know, man, that to me, Jimmy, um, if we could teach them about themselves earlier, then, then maybe whenever these things happen, like a pandemic, I mean, hopefully there's not another one that happens, but, you know, life is unpredictable. If we were able to teach them life skills and the character traits to handle these situations, wouldn't that be uh, probably those numbers would probably go down, I would think, wouldn't you? Well, you think that if they if you could teach them to understand who they are, their mind, mm -hmm. how their mind works, how it's been conditioned and how they can use their mind, train their mind each and every day for success in and out of what they're doing. Um, as you talked about, you're going to have them be more well balanced, um, especially emotionally be able to handle these difficult situations in a way to keep moving forward and not having so much of these thoughts of, like I said, my life's not worth anything or it's worth taking or not, you know, continue to move on. Well, luckily, Jim, at 40athletes.com, you can go check out our 24-week course where we go over each of these topics on a weekly basis and we can help you be the best person you can be because we all know, just like John Wooden, better people make better players. So, Jimmy, um, it was another great episode, uh, and I'll see you again soon. So have a great Wednesday. Um, and for everybody else out there, check us out at 40athletes.com.